Unexpected outcomes have certainly happened through COVID. Society has reinvigorated its community outlook. Social and civic consciousness has reawakened. And that includes the climate. People are off the roads and out of the skies, so carbon emissions are projected to fall by 4% in 2020 compared to last year. But sadly, the same cannot be said for oceans. COVID has triggered an estimated global use of 129 billion face masks and 65 billion gloves every month. If we stitch that all together, we would be able to cover the entire landmass of Switzerland. This has led to the Build Back Better campaigns to include a climate focus. And our guest today, Julian Bennett, CEO of Juice Mobile Phone Accessories, has made it his mission through his own business to encourage sustainable purchasing and believes that even by making small changes can make a big difference. He's here today to tell us all about it. Welcome, Joe, to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Uh, I'm so excited. We've already had literally the equivalent of a podcast uh, conversation off air. So goodness knows how long we'll be, we'll be chinwagging this afternoon. Um, now, we are in the habit on this show to talking to entrepreneurs who take big risks. And you are no exception because you risked your house on your business. So let's start with that and your eureka moment and why you decided to start Juice. Um, okay, so I, um, like lots of entrepreneurs, have always struggled um, all the way through school to take instructions. So I, um, I was always very capable. I could always do the things that people were asking me to do, but I wasn't necessarily that interested in um, doing them if I didn't think they were right. So I always had um, the idea that my, um, my opinion was the right opinion and that's the way I was going to go. And to my peril, that left me with, when I left senior school, I had I had um, another three months worth of detention still to do. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, luckily How can you I leave left, school? Um, <laughs> I left, school. so they, they, they couldn't make me do them anymore, which is great. <laughs> um, uh, this, um, so this carried on through my career. And um, at the age of 35, I got really used to the look that people give you just before they fire you. So just mm-hmm. there's a certain look that they give you when they say, can I have a word with you in the office? And yeah. so my performances in, in sales was always really good. I was always the top salesperson, but they would always challenge me with um, uh, not doing the sales where they thought I should or not behaving in the way they thought I should or whatever it would be. Mm-hmm. So Completing your paperwork. Um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, or, or whatever it was. Um, I think actually once they, um, one, one business actually asked me to leave because they brought a new policy in where they they wanted all members of staff to hand scan in and hand scan out when they arrived. So it was kind of a clocking in and clocking out. And I had 35 people working for me in this division. And Mm -hmm. I thought this was wrong because I didn't didn't like people being treated like battery hens. You know, I was Mm -hmm. like, no, we're free range. You can arrive at half nine and you can can work till seven. You don't need to comply with that. So I refused to let my staff um, hand scan in and we became the pariahs of this business and then uh, obviously I got fired and then they all had to hand scan but um so the last time that uh someone uh, called me into the office with that look was in uh December 
2011. And um, I got called in, usual chat, yeah, you, you know, really should um, uh, go and find work somewhere else. And so um, off I went. I went I went home that Christmas and um, I, I've always wanted to own my business. I've always um, wanted to uh, run my run my own organization and, and make my own decisions and do my own thing I, I, as frustrating as it was for me taking uh ignoring people's instructions and being told off for it it was it was um i had a burning desire inside me that was just like i want to do this for myself and i didn't have the courage so i went home and i pondered it over christmas and then um come january i proudly announced um to my partner that I was going to start my own business and I was going to start going and looking for funding. Now, um, there was a credit crunch in 2008, which everyone will remember, and the banks were still freaking out about that. Everyone was really nervous. So I, I started trailing around um, all of the banks and no one wanted to see me. No one was interested in my business plan. Everyone was completely dismissive um, from all of the big names in the banks um, until I got to one guy called Peter Rogers at um, Lloyd's Bank. And I sent him a few emails. He was a business banker. And he actually responded and he said, we can have a meeting. I, um, I went and had a meeting and he, um, he said everything in my, in my computer says um, that we should be saying no. But there's something about you, young man. I remember him saying young man being quite pleased with that <laughs> in uh, my late 30s. And, uh, and he said, I'll see what I can do. A couple of weeks later, so we're into towards the end of January, um, he comes back and says, look, I've got some great news for you. I can grant you a £100,000 overdraft um, facility to get you going. £100,000 is a huge amount of money, especially when mm-hmm. my my month's notice that I'd been paid for my previous job was running out. And I said, that's amazing. And he said, well, but, but you know, you do have to sign into an, a personal guarantee, an open-ended personal guarantee. Um, and... Uh, you need to sign over your house. Uh, and so uh, signing over your house is is one of those moments where uh, you, I don't know if um, uh, you or your listeners have ever um, seen the Jungle Book, but there's a part in the Jungle Book where the snake has his twisty eyes and he says, and he's singing trust in me. And when <laughs> I got given this ginormous document, which is an open-ended yeah. personal guarantee, it's a second charge on my house. It, it effectively means that they can take everything and you yeah. have to then work for the rest of your um, working career, paying them back um, and they can have all their charges. It's just a, this horrible document. It felt very much like, oh my God, what am I doing? What am I doing? But I, um, I went home um, with this document to my partner and said, look, I'm, I'm going to do this. It's exciting news. I'm going to do it. And she said, well, I've got exciting news too. I'm pregnant. <laughs> and uh, so I had this, um, this almost perfect storm where we were like, okay, um, we're going to have a baby in September and, um, and I'm going to start a business. So I, I signed all the documentation. I put my house on the line um, and uh, I got granted in um, May a bank account with this um, amazing overdraft of a hundred thousand mm-hmm. pounds. And I can't tell you how petrified I was and um, and genuinely just, but, but also super excited because I was positive that I was going to go and make this a success. 
Oh no, I can completely understand that. My hands are sweating. Of... Talking to you, by the way. Oh, <laughs> yes, just bringing back those memories, those vivid memories. Well, <laughs> um, listen, there's no bigger motivation than um, than what you had decided to do, and well, with the little one on the way. You know, um, but it sounds like, you know, you had those sales skills, you were confident in your own abilities. Um, so tell us about Jis. What is it I, and where did the name come from? Like, OK, it, it's so, not the first name um, I think of. <laughs> yeah, no, OK. So, um, uh, well, so the the um, the interesting thing is that um, I was told my mum was to say that uh, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. I was like, what are you going on about, mum? You know those sayings that your mum has? Mm-hmm. You? you just yeah. completely ignore them. And um, so I, um, I, so I decided I was going to start this ginormous business. And um, uh, so I thought, well, if I'm going to start a ginormous business, I'm going to need a warehouse, and I'm going to need a warehouse manager, and I'm going to need um, salespeople, and I'm going to. So I, I went and um, committed myself to um, this uh, warehouse in the cheapest part of Coventry. So. Coventry, mm-hmm. I googled the cheapest place to get a warehouse um, yeah. uh, in the middle of England, and it was Coventry. And then um, I googled the cheapest part of Com- Coventry, and then I found the <laughs> roughest part of Coventry, and I, my warehouse was there. And I went and found this um, ginormous <laughs> warehouse, and then I and then I um, and then I employed a warehouse manager. I, what was I doing? I employed a warehouse manager, and I employed uh, two members of sales staff. And I was like, okay. And on the 1st of August, um, uh, 2012, to great um, applause from absolutely no one, I started my business. And um, I hadn't come up with um, uh, juice. And so um, in my first month, I, uh, I lost 15,000 pounds of my 100,000 pounds. Yikes. And uh, I was petrified. I was like, oh, my God. And so towards the end, Towards the end of that first month, I was sitting having breakfast, and one of the things that I realised by calling all of the retailers, saying I'm a I'm a mobile phone accessories manufacturer, I'm this um, guy that that can supply all your mobile phone accessories, and they were they were kind of like, well, you haven't got any point of difference. When they did speak to me, they were like, you haven't got any point of difference. What are you doing? We can do that ourselves. We can go and get stuff. Um, from the Far East very easily. So mm-hmm. I then thought, okay, well, I need to come up with a brand. And um, and I just turned my brain completely to thinking all the time. I'm not sure if, um, uh, I don't, I'm not sure if you've ever done this, but the when you really want to solve a problem, sometimes your problem can be solved in the middle of the night. And sometimes you almost have 10, 15% of your brain capacity always working on it, no matter what you're doing, even when mm-hmm. you're sleeping. And, um, and then all of a sudden, the answer just pops up. And I was very much like that with um, trying to think of a brand. And the idea came to me one morning when I was having breakfast. And I uh, I was sitting there looking at my breakfast, and I was having a glass of orange juice. And I just said, juice. And then I was like, juice? Juice. And then it was the orange juice was in a carton. And... Then I um, next to it was some apple juice, and I thought apple juice and apple juice was green, um, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, I started um, uh, from I went to my office and I started sketching the first ideas of um, uh, of juice and putting a mobile phone charger into a 
unplug and from a mobile phone charger into a carton. And then from that point, I I expanded and thought, okay, well, apple juice is green, so why wouldn't I make the apple charger um, green? And then at the time, blackberry was pretty big, so I thought, hey, I'll make that carton blackberry coloured. And um, then mm-hmm. there was um, a multi-juice, which would fit any... Um, uh, any phone, and I made that um, into the same colour, the kind of orange that you get of um, uh, multi multi mm-hmm. vitamin juice. So, um, and that was the very incubus. That was the very very start of it. I then um, uh, googled uh, packaging designers, so um, uh, to find someone that could design this for me, and I found. Uh, um, uh, a woman that was a designer, freelance designer, and I paid her 250 quid to um, design my first carton. And then um, I found a printer, a UK printer, and I made my first carton. And in the middle of, um, uh, so the middle of October, I had um, my very first juice carton sitting in front of me um, that I'd come up with. And then I started hitting the phones like mad. Um, calling retailers, which was miserable. I was sitting in an office in a horrible warehouse in the middle of Coventry, and the office had no windows, so it was like a cell. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, uh, well, I've worked in I a few of those. <laughs> and they were completely I've in ignoring me. And they were completely ignoring me. They were, they were just... Um, uh, I, would, I, would, I was um, looking on LinkedIn, finding the um, buyer's name at Sainsbury's or O2 or anyone that I thought could anyone in the UK that sold mobile phone um, accessories and no one was interested and it was so tough because every day I would get to my office at 7.30 I would um, uh, start calling, start calling, start calling Um, uh, another another, um, uh, pressure on top of this was the fact that uh, Betty had arrived, my first daughter on the 1st of September uh, which is my birthday also so my best birthday present ever was my Mm. um, uh, daughter Betty arriving, but I had a I had a partner that was dealing with a newborn, um, and I was dealing with a newborn too, and a newborn business, and um, the retailers were just completely ignoring me, and it yeah. was so tough because nobody cared, and and one of the things when you start a business is you um, realise very quickly that you're totally on your own, and um, yeah. uh, and you know that's tough. That's tough. I'm fortunate to have um, good friends and good family, um, uh, and you know, a stable support network. But when you when you're when you're starting a business in the way that I did, which I'd never recommend to anyone, by the way, um, uh, is um, is is petrifying. And in that um, in October, I lost a further twenty thousand um, pounds. So I'd lost £35,000 coming up towards half of all of my trading capital mm-hmm. um, in the first two months. And yeah. I was literally nowhere. So, um, and I remember, I remember very vividly the, the scene of my warehouse manager, um, Mick, military Mick, as he's affectionately known, as he's um, ex-military, um, uh, sweeping every day. <laughs> He'd be sweeping the warehouse because he had nothing else to do. Gotta um, love them. <laughs> and um, uh, you know, uh, in those in those challenging times, Mick would I just pop in and say, "Want a cup of tea?" and uh, make me a cup of tea while I was 
um, hammering away on the phones, trying to find someone that would listen to me about this madcap idea called Juice. I'm sure you ha- he has uh, you've gained that time back in bucket loads now. Um, oh yeah, military mix very busy these days. Yeah, oh god, yeah. Don't he's like bring back that. this. He's like bring back the days. Yeah, bring back 2012. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but so the supplier, the uh, the retailers were, were having none of it, but there was a turning point. Talk to us about yeah. that. What happened? Okay. What was um, it? So, so we were um, uh, midway through um, uh, October. Uh, no, we weren't. Um, we, were, we were towards the end of October. And um, I was doing my calls that I was doing every day. So I had um, uh, all of the retailers that sold mobile phone accessories in alphabetical order. order. There was about 45 of them. And I would call them once in the morning and once in the afternoon. And every time I would leave the buyer a message. And sometimes I'd do multiple calls and sometimes I'd do... Um, and I tried to make them as jovial as possible. Um, but you can imagine how grating that was for these people. I mean, the yeah. buyers are just humans as well. I'm just like, God, here's this guy. Um, so on on um, one afternoon, um, my phone rang and my office phone rang. And it was like, oh, oh my God, my phone's rang. And it was a buyer um, called uh, Eni Chai, who um, is still works for John Lewis and is an incredible buyer. And she um, called me and said, look, you have left me 36 messages. You are doing my head in. You're like, what, like, what do you, what do you want? And, uh, and I, I very quickly said, look, Annie, thank God you called me. I've got this great opportunity for John Lewis. I've got this brand and it's this amazing thing. And she said, look, um, we have one day, a, um, one day a year where we have wildcard brands that can come in and pitch to a Dragon's Den style buying team. Um, and on the John Lewis, um, at the John Lewis headquarters in London, um, you come in, but I'll, I'll put you onto that um, Dragon's Den day on one condition. I was like, what is it? What is it? Anything, anything. She said, if you don't get through, then you never call me again. <laughs> and and I, uh, uh, being a little bit taken aback, but also, like, I was like, so desperate. I was like, yes, deal done. Of course, I'll never call you again. And so... Um, I, I very quickly, it was a week before the, the, um, uh, the session. So I very quickly got my samples together. I got a, um, like the milkman used to have those little holders and I put my, um, juice cartons in there. And, um, uh, I remember it was the last day of October in 2012 and I woke up in the spare room because I decided to, um, eject from the baby for a night and try and get some, uh, good sleep. And so I woke up in the spare room and the first message I got on my phone that morning was from my sales um, girl who I, the wages went through on the last day of the month and the sales girl that worked for me, I'm um, saying, I've received my wages. I'm uh, resigning with immediate effect. This business isn't going to work. Um, and so my first message was like, oh God, okay, thanks. And um you know, she'd been trying to sell too, and um, it was tough, mm-hmm. and I understand. Um, but also, I was a little bit like, God, I've just paid you. Um, anyway, off she, yeah. off she tootled. Um, and um, 
I um, hurried down to the station to get the train to Paddington and go to John Lewis head office for my um, meeting at 10 o'clock. I left myself loads of time. And I, um, as the train was rolling in from Oxford to Paddington station, there was an announcement that came over uh, the tannoy saying that someone had very sadly decided to end their lives on the underground and the underground was closed and um, the whole of Paddington station was backed up. So it was completely backed up and uh, you couldn't get a taxi. Um, Uber wasn't a thing then. You uh, mm-hmm. just, it was ramoed. And I had about 40 minutes to get to my meeting. So I looked at Google Maps and it was um, uh, 3.2 miles. It's 3.25 miles because um, I've walked it subsequently since. And um, I thought, okay, I'm, I, I kept myself reasonably fit. And uh, um, like everyone thinks they do, I thought, I'll run. So I set the destination Google Maps and I start running. And um, weirdly, the, as I was running, it was a cold, um, cold, wintry day. And um, yeah, I remember it being very windy. And I was running in a suit and suit um, shoes <laughs> that were quite slippy. And I was clutching these, um, this, this holder, I, I think, uh, with, with uh, juice cartons in it. And I was running across London. And... Um, I remember um, looking at the uh, Google Maps and it was going up instead of down. It was going from 3.2 to 3.3, 3.4, um, <laughs> and eventually it got to. And I thought, I thought in my in my um, very simple, slightly tired um, brain, I thought, well, okay, yeah, it's just because I'm going around buildings, and so it'll start coming <laughs> down really quickly. Um, I, I, it got up to 3.8. Um, uh, miles and I had 25 minutes to get there and um or 20 odd minutes to get there it was getting really tight and I realized that I I um had my google maps locked um uh in landscape mode and <laughs> so I was running the wrong way and uh and I I I, just, oh, I can see uh, this as a Netflix movie <laughs> honestly it was so it was so it was one of those moments where I'm, I'm this is just, a Hugh Grant character. And, and so I, I, I ran, um, uh, uh, as far as I could, um, at 10 o'clock, um, when my meeting was due to start, I'd made it to Buckingham palace. So I've got a picture, which I'll happily share with you of me holding the juice carton in front of um, Buckingham <laughs> palace. So I thought, God, I'm going to get something out of this. Let's have some, pause and have a selfie (laughs) i know i I don't know i don't know what i was i think i was just slightly um (laughs) slightly um beside myself so anyway i then Uh, um uh i walked the rest of the way i arrived at um 20 past 10 and i went to the reception of john lewis and said to the girl um said to the receptionist look i'm here for a dragon's den style day and um uh, a really junior buyer called sarah came down and said hi mr bennett you know your slot was at 10 o'clock and you only had 15 minutes slot I was like, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. And I tried to explain. She said, look, I'm, I'm really sorry, but you've missed your slot. And all through the process of uh, starting my business and running it, there's been these times where um, my heart's dropped. And literally, my heart dropped through the floor. I'm, I'm, it's, yeah, everyone has those feelings. But I just felt everything slow down. Everything went echoey. Mm. Um, and I just felt... You know, you can hear your heartbeat. You can, you can hear. Um, uh, it's just the the most most challenging and most um, 
horrible feeling, but it's almost a bit like out of body. And I said, but don't worry, there's another Dragon's Den style day in 12 months and I'll put you in on that. <laughs> and I kind of looked at her and in my head I no, was no. like, there no. isn't 12 months, you know. I, in 12 months' time I'm living in a cardboard box um, with my um, with my one-year-old baby and my, um, and my probably ex-partner and I'm going to be... Um, there, there isn't 12 months, and I was saying all this in my head, and then she, um, to her great credit, said to me, um, Mr. Bennett, this means a lot to you, doesn't it? And and I said, yeah, like, everything, of course, everything. And she said, sit down in reception, and I'll see if I can um, shorten the lunch breaks, and so instead of an hour, I'll give them 45 minutes, and I'll squeeze you in um, and cut that lunch break short. And so I went and sat in the reception of John Lewis and I slowly, I sat by a radiator and um, uh, the very kind receptionist gave me a cup of tea and I sat there and I started warming up and drying out, smelling a bit like a wet dog and, um, uh, and waited. And good to her word, at quarter to one, uh, she came down and took me up to this big, intimidating boardroom where you have six buyers sitting in an oval at one end and a desk and they were all a little bit annoyed because I'd cut their I'd missed my meeting and cut mm-hmm. their lunch break short and so they were just a bit like oh god let's get this yeah. over with I missed my and brownie I, because of you <laughs> yeah I didn't get my brownie bit, <laughs> just a little bit just a little bit annoyed and so yeah. I I then said I sat down and you'd think this is the glorious part in the story where I, I am amazing and I, and I, uh, and I wasn't, I it was just a dribbling mess. I just, I was really nervous. I baffled, I like, I baffled them with just talking incoherently for, as you can probably tell, I'm totally capable of that, but I was just, bat- I was just stuttering and, and petrified and, and um, the pitch was awful, dreadful. From all of my sales experience, it was one of the most <laughs> awkward, worst pictures I've ever made in my life. And I remember Annie's face, she was looking at me, you know, kind of going, oh, God, you're dying, aren't you? What are you going on yeah. about? And so for my 15 minutes, I remember one of them also asked a question saying, but it's just a charger in a carton, right? And um, I was like, yeah, yeah, it is. Anyway, I left. Next morning, got up um, early got into my office at 7.30 and um, opened my book, uh, put the date on it and started my call list where I was going to continue calling all of these people um, and um, uh, until until my plan was until they came and told me to get out of the warehouse and um, <laughs> I was going to just keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're enjoying the podcast, simply hit the like and subscribe button on your favourite podcast platform. If you have the time, leave us a review. You can do that really easily by going to ratemypodcast.com forward slash fast forward. Thank goodness so, that didn't have to keep going. <laughs> um, uh, so, I mean, the, the, you can imagine how you feel in that situation. And mm-hmm. I, if I ever talk about it, which I rarely do now, but as I'm, I'm talking about it to you, I'm, I'm feeling the same feelings, which is this mix of desperation and determination and and, and and resignation to the fact that I'm probably not going to be okay here. Mid-morning, yeah. the following day, I get a call from Any, um, the John Lewis, and my phone rings for only the second time in, in the business's history. And um, 
uh, and he's on the phone, and she's a, a, a really nice woman. And she said, so how do you think it went? And at this point, I'm <laughs> all my airs and graces are gone. I'm like, and I just say, it was awful, wasn't it? I was dreadful. I just, I, I, I it was, it was the worst bit to ever done. It was, and she, um, to her great credit, said, yes, it was really bad. Worst one we've had all day. In fact, all week. And, um, uh, and so there was another little silence. And then she said, but we love the brand. And there was this uh, moment where, again, like the heart dropping moment in reception, there was a moment where everything slowed down and everything was like, God, really? You love the brand. You, you love the brand. And then she carried on and said, and we want to um, launch you this Christmas. And I was like, okay. And she said, and we're going to be placing an order this afternoon um, for our first 5,000 units. And I was completely agog. I didn't know what to say. I was, um, I was, it was almost unreal. It was completely unreal. And I was, uh, I was like, okay. And she said, we're going to need them delivered for uh, early December. Can you do that? absolutely yes there was no way I possibly could and I was absolutely yes no problem at all <laughs> and hung up the phone and you know what I was sitting there um uh and military Mick was the only person left that I could go and tell <laughs> and he was a bit moany but he had work coming on actually um but he was <laughs> he was um uh it was a it was uh it was a wonderful and amazing moment and then from having five seconds of feeling blissful was the next um, two weeks were a logistical nightmare. We ended up buying the cartons in um, um, from a UK printers who did an amazing job for us. We flew the mobile phone chargers over from China. Um, and then we had a week at the end of November 2012, which no one will remember this except for me, but it was really cold and really snowing. And I... Um, I roped in a um, uh, a uh, finance assistant that I used to work with to come and help me with my finances. And also, her first job was to help me pack 5,000 juice cartons. Uh, we, we worked all through the night on a number of occasions, folding cartons, putting plugs in them, folding them, literally to the point when our, our fingers would bleed. And yeah. uh, we made delivery into John Lewis uh, the first week of December as promised. And um, then I think we all went to bed for a couple of days, but we made the delivery. And um, uh, then uh, the week after that, I got um, uh, some messages from my friends showing me my juice cartons in John Lewis. And um, it was unbelievably, unbelievably um, amazing. Even my nan saw it. Um, and was, was my rebellious nan. She was re reasonably yeah. impressed. So, um, yeah, that was my first break. But it didn't. That wasn't the thing, you see, because it, you can sell something into a retailer, but it doesn't matter if you sell it into a retailer. It's a, about if the the customers buy it. <laughs> and and so my my fear instantly went from uh, okay, we sold it to a retailer, um, and um, we. Um, we now need to see what happens. So yeah. uh, we we waited for a week um, uh, to get an idea of the first week's sales. And then I called Annie 
Um, and she answered the phone. So, oh, hi, Joe. She actually answered the phone to me now, which is the <laughs> huge progress. Progress. And, um, and asked her how sales had gone. And she said, oh, I'll have a look for you right now. Um, uh, and she logged onto her system and then said, oh, I think we've got a system problem. I'll have to give you a call back. And so in buyer and uh, buyer speak, a system problem means they haven't sold any or they've <laughs> sold one. And they just want to go and check that this disaster is. Um, He's uh, going to get sacked for it. Is actually the truth. He or, ordered the phone. Um, <laughs> um, and so she left me for a few hours and I was absolutely thinking, God, this is a disaster. It hasn't worked. Juice is a complete waste of time. What am I doing in my life? Um, and uh, thankfully, she called me back and said, OK, no, it wasn't a system error. I just need to check. Um, we've sold two and a half thousand units in our first week. And Juice was and still is the fastest selling mobile accessory brand that's ever been launched in John Lewis stores. And wow. they repeat ordered. Um, another, I think it was another 5,000 um, straight away and they wanted them as soon as possible. Um, and um, that's where it all really began um, from there. So in January 2013, O2 called me back and said, hey, we've seen what you've done in um, John Lewis. We want to range you across our 530 stores. In February, we got a call from Dixon's. They called me back at last, and people started calling me back. And um, by the end of my first trading year, I'd paid back all of my losses, and I'd managed to make a profit in my first year of around £35,000. And, um, and What did that feel off. like? <laughs> what did that feel like? <laughs> oh, my God. Like I was... I was um, uh, like, I was, I mean, 30 earning 35,000 pounds. Hey, I'm not, I'm, that's a, that's a lot of money, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I've been used to earning more money than that as a good sales guy. So yeah. I was kind of a bit disappointed and also completely elated. And um, the fact that I wasn't living in a cardboard box and I hadn't lost my house and, um, you know, it was incredible for me. But, but that was that. You know, the, the business wasn't. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't there. It was just the very, very beginning. And so, um, but hey, so much nicer than than losing it all. And also, yeah. we'd managed to sell juice into a number of retailers. So it was amazing. It was yeah. amazing. And you proved it. You proved the, it the happiest profit that I've ever made. We've made lots of profits since then. But that one was like, yeah, we can do this. Yeah. It's the pretty, you know, it's that there's so many companies fail in the first year. Um, and we had Mark Wright um, on a few weeks ago. He's the apprentice winner from 2014 and he is CEO of his um, digital marketing agency, which was fastest growing during COVID. But he, you know, talked at length about his, you know, the scariest decision he ever made was leaving his job to start his business. And that feeling of getting to the end of the first year and having made a profit, same as you, not, not, wasn't a massive one but it was something and that felt like such a massive achievement and it is something to be incredibly proud of um hey, but thanks. that it wasn't was, that was wasn't really the fun. end of the story was it <laughs> i know i feel like i've just told you everything no it wasn't the end of the story <laughs> i'm really good um, at getting uh, people to tell me everything uh joe uh, i know maybe this is i uh, like yeah you should be a spy or something <laughs> <laughs> 
Maybe you are. Maybe I, I've made you very emotional. I'm drawing out all of these memories. I know, but I my do hands have are a still a bit sweaty. God. <laughs> <laughs> Please I move a, on. I should have a light on you. Um, <laughs> so I, have, I am confused, right? So I am confused about something. So there are two things that I want to ask you about. Um, and they're almost like counterintuitive to each other. So you went to China to source factories. Yeah. And at the same time, you also went to a sustainable model. Yeah. China is not normally the place that you go <laughs> for sustainable <laughs> models. Um, so, so could you tell yeah. me about the China experience and then this principle that you've now deployed into the business and then we'll talk about the, the environment stuff. Okay, so, um, uh, so China makes everything, right? So they are the manufacturers. They're the, they're the factory of the world. There's no denying it. You, you can, you can, we can all try and... Um, uh, say that that's not the truth, but it is the truth. So I think when um, I think when trying to change anything or combat um, uh, uh, anything that's going wrong in the world, you need to be honest with um, yourself about what the truth is. So um, sure, I could have um, tried to open a factory in the UK and tried to make it all sustainable, and and that would have been a lot longer, a lot harder route than going to China and meeting with the factory owners and, and asking them to change what they're doing for me and making it commercially worth their while to do that. Um, like really, really, really tough conversations because they just didn't understand because no one had asked them to do it. You're going to a, um, a factory in Dongguan or Shenzhen, which are just, um, they're the same size. Those regions are both the same size of the UK and they are just factories. And you're going to a factory owner who you're asking him to do something that's going to make your product more expensive and more difficult to manufacture. And mm -hmm. uh, the, the look I got was just like, are you mad? What's, are you really the owner of juice? Are you really the CEO of juice? Or, you know, like, get out of here. Uh, yeah. after, um, after several different trips and several meetings, I convinced them that I wanted to, um, I wanted to remove all single-use packaging, single-use plastic packaging from um, my product. I wanted to start a project to remove all plastic full stop out of my product. So make the product out of plants, which is a product that, a project that's ongoing and I'll tell you about very shortly. Um, uh, and I also didn't want to, I wanted to use waste. So I wanted to use post-consumer waste to make the packaging. So mm -hmm. you can make um, uh, recycled packaging and that's fine and recyclable um, packaging, but doing it from post-consumer waste is really difficult. And so I had to go and visit, I'd say, 15, maybe 20 different packaging factories in China. And eventually I found one that thought they might be able to do it. And um, one of the things that uh, I believe is that if you want to change something, if you don't believe something that is right and it grates on you, then you should change it. You shouldn't rely on anyone else. And I had so many people um, say that this was a stupid thing to do and the wrong thing to do. And um, and I, um, but I, I mean, I've, as you've established from the, the start of this, I'm not very good at listening to people and I wasn't very listening, <laughs> wasn't very good at taking instructions. So the more they told me that, the more I felt like I just wanted to prove them wrong. And uh, so in, uh, we've been working on this for a year and a half, but in January, we were in the position where we were ready to switch. And we spoke to all of our customers and uh, we chose the retailer Tesco's to launch the um, range with, which was going to be all products 
um, that they bought from us were going to be made out of post-consumer waste. So the stuff you put in your recycling bin at home that's mm-hmm. taken away, um, reused and um, uh, made into packaging that can then be put back into your recycling um, bin and reused again. And so it creates this wonderful cycle. Um, and uh, we, uh, we launched it. And no one would accept a price increase. So the retailers were all like, well, we're not paying more. So I took the decision to convince my, um, the directors of my business and, and as the majority shareholder, I took the decision to um, take the loss. And it cost us around £250,000 uh, um, uh, in loss of um, increasing cost to do it. But I believed in it, and I believe in it, and I and if you're going to do that, then then you've got to put your money where your mouth is. So um, we did it, and we launched the range in uh, June in um, Tesco's, and then we quickly rolled it out to absolutely everyone. So um, now Juice does not produce any single-use plastic packaging. And every single piece of packaging we do from our speakers to our power banks to um, our cables to our chargers is all recycled and recyclable. And as a result, even though this year has been super challenging, we've seen a 12% increase in sales out to consumer, which I think for me is such a message to other brands and brand owners that don't, don't underestimate the general public. Don't underestimate what their... Um, uh, they're willing to um, buy with their beliefs. They're willing to, they want to, the, most people are super good, they're super nice people, and they don't want the planet to be full of loads of um, of plastic that never gets used. Yeah. They yeah. understand that, and they will buy, if you are willing to take the risk and take the jump, they will buy it from you. And you just need to, business leaders need to give them the chance. And so, I'm really proud that we gave them the chance to do that this year. And I'm really proud that now today my business does not produce any single use um, plastic for its packaging. So, and we've, we've got the rewards because of that. As I say, in challenging times, we've seen sales go through the roof. I mean, it is such an achievement. Every time I wash my hair, I look at the bottle and it drives me mad because it says, oh, this bottle is 100% recyclable. And I'm like, yes, but it isn't recycled. It's been made and it's just going into landfill or being incinerated. Um, so I love this story and I hope you're going to expand into other products other than mobile phones and that everything in Tesco's and other retailers will be made out of this uh, packaging. Hopefully, Juice will become uh, will diversify into other markets. Yeah, uh, we're planning to do that. We're planning to do that, and and we um we've um sent an open invite to all of our competitors to share with them our supply chain, um, yeah. uh, to help them do it too because we just think they should, and and we're working with a couple of people now to to introduce them to the factories we use and to show them how we did it. Um, because so that's your competitors. That's your competitors, people who sell the same stuff as you. And you went, hey, I'm going to show you this. I'm going to give you my my USP. I'm going to share it with you. Hey, it's the right thing to do, though, isn't it? It is the right thing to do. things have their own gravity. And so, um, uh, God, let's just remove all single-use plastic. And that stuff, I mean, there's so much plastic on the planet. People, um, I've had various uh, heated debates with eco-warriors where they've, um, 
where they've told me that you shouldn't be using plastic. And I, I just don't agree with it at all because there's so much. Um, let's not make new plastic. But what are you going yeah. to do with, um, with all that plastic? Uh, 300 billion <laughs> tonnes of plastic that's on planet Earth now. Why don't you use it? You know, I'm a fan of yeah. um, using and reusing it and not yeah. producing any more, but let's not bury it or put it in the ocean. Let's not, let's not, um, it's going to be here for 3,000 years. Why don't we um, use it? Yeah, Keep I'm using a, it. I, and um, yeah, use it and use it and use it and, um, uh, and don't make any more. And, yes. you know, that's, that's where I'm. Please stop I'm making passionate. it. <laughs> I hope we yeah. see just face masks really soon. Um, so you've mentioned a few times that um, COVID has had a positive impact on the business as consumers are making more informed choices from home. Um, and as I said at the top um, of the conversation, you know, the social consciousness of people, I think, has been awoken. And uh, that's, I think, what you're seeing in those sales that you've talked about. Um, but is that the only impact that can- the pandemic has had or what else has been going on just as a result? How's military Mick? Is he okay? Military Mick is exhausted. He's so busy. <laughs> um, he was moaning at me today, actually. Um, but um, uh, he's just got himself a new iPhone, which is his treat every year. So he's very, very happy with that. Um, uh, uh, military Mick and his wife, Sal, um, uh, uh, frequently um, get in the warehouse still and do long shifts. So, um, uh, yeah, he's fine, but um, uh, he's fe- feeling a bit tired. It's been a bit of a roller coaster, and we're super, mm. super busy. Um, coming into um, peak trading. I mean, the yeah. thing is, I um, so COVID has been a challenge, and it, because all of my retail customers, all of a sudden, didn't you know? Some of them weren't open at all. Others were open with restricted space. And um, what what I think that brands and business owners need to do is instead of looking at how grim it is, look at the opportunity. So we were doing, um, we did uh, for um, one of our clients, Tesco's, we did them uh, a display unit with um, chargers on it and um, packs of um, anti anti-back wipes to go with the products. So we just recreated what we were doing and rejigged it to be in the environment that we're in. We've also worked like mad on with all of our customers to bring their online content and their offerings up to speed and um, invested heavily in making sure that all of our clients and ourselves are at the very forefront of online sales because consumers are still buying. They still need the stuff. They're just buying it online. And I think that um, people can get too tied up in what's not possible. Um, when yeah. actually, if you look at it, you can look at opportunity. And I'm, I've al- always been hugely optimistic. Um, some would say blindly optimistic, but I'm hugely optimistic. And I, and I, um, those consumers are out there. They want to make the right choices. They want to, they want to choose brands and products that are going to be good for the environment and uh, are considerate to their impact. And um, hey, we all still use our phones, right? I mean. Uh, uh, phone use has gone through the roof because we're all just mm-hmm. uh, during that first lockdown. Everyone was sitting just looking at their phones, going, "Ah, oh, what's going on?" So I think that it's the, the business has been successful this year because of our change to a more sustainable packaging model and our message out to consumers. But also our general attitude has been, "Okay, so everything's changed. Where do we go now?" And um, I think that uh, there's 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 big opportunities out there for everyone that wants to go and do um, uh, do the right things. We've also um, 
we've also uh, I believe in sharing success too. So um, the local hospital trust in Oxford, uh, we're at the height of the pandemic. There were so many people cut off there, and they were often taken into hospital very quickly, and um, didn't have. Uh, time to collect their belongings and their loved ones couldn't go and see them. So speaking to some friends that I have that work in hospitals, they're like, God, we've got no charges. And so we're, we've been delighted to be able to support um, parcels of charges into um, the hospitals around this area. Um, about 500 charges have gone out so far across loads of wards where we're um, trying to keep people connected and trying to do our bit to try and help them to if we can charge their iPhone, then they can call their partner, or they can FaceTime yeah. their kids, or they can do whatever they need to do. Um, and uh, we're not alone um, in doing that. I know other brands yeah. and um, other people I know have done similar things. And I think that um, hey, that's another opportunity for um, uh, difficult times is we get the chance to help people and club together because. Despite what everyone says um, in the media or um, how our politicians make us feel, we all want to help each other. We're all basically good people. And, yeah, I would um, agree with that. And there's an opportunity for that side to shine out in difficult times. So, um, yeah, the business has had a great year and we're super excited about next year where we're going to be rolling out our, um, our plant-based plugs, which are um, we've been investing in. Uh, for the last three years in this company to make um, uh, plastic replacement for actual electronics out of corn. Right. And so um, we're hoping to launch um, towards the middle of next year. I'm trying to pull it forward but towards the middle of next year where we'll be removing um, any plastic from uh, any product. So you'll be able to buy a mo mobile phone charger or a cable that um, is actually possible to, uh, to home compost. So you can take the metal bits out and put them in your bin and then throw mm -hmm. the um, cable or the plug on your lawn and it will actually biodegrade <laughs> in, in a few weeks. I know that I sound like um, a Mad Hatter or Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, but uh, I genuinely, um, uh, genuinely think that's something that's going to be possible. Amazing. I have seen um, like some cups and other sort of prototypes that were kind of made of wood. And then you could, but they weren't, they were made out of waste. And then I think you could put water in them and eventually they would they would biodegrade very quickly as well. So no, I think it's definitely not outside the realm of possibility, but I'm very excited to see those products hit hit the shelves. Um, now, are those products, because I know last year you were planning to break the overseas markets, um, especially into America. Is that still on the plan or did you already Absolutely. do it? So, or yeah, depending on what happens today, <laughs> Donald I'm sure, Trump. No, we've got, I've got a call Joe with Biden. Um, I've, got, I've got a call with a, an American um, uh, customer um, tonight. Um, yeah. So we're, if Trump's in, we're talking, you're probably not getting your stuff in. <laughs> um, uh, in. Do you know? Do you know? Um, I think. I think um, this particular American is a is a staunch um, liberal. So I think he's going to be slightly depressed this evening. Um, with what's going on with America. Oh, don't. But, um, Please don't. I have been watching it um, all day. Uh, but yeah, like we're, we're pushing into other markets. We had a call with a German customer today. So the mission statement is very clear in the business that we want Juice to become the largest mobile accessories um, brand uh, in the world. So we want to be number one globally. 
And so we've, hey, we've achieved number one status in the UK. We've overtaken Apple for sales of Apple cables in the UK market. We sell more plugs than anyone else. We sell more power banks. We're, um, we're de facto market number one. And we've done the same in Ireland. Um, the Irish totally get the Juice brand, by the way. Our market share in Ireland is ginormous. Um, and I think well, it's because you know, we are very smart. We're very smart. And people. also you like fun. <laughs> and so I we think do. That, um, and the fact that you made uh, them green. <laughs> I know. And, you know, our top selling cable color in Ireland is obviously green. And, <laughs> of course it is. Um, which, <laughs> I love that about the Irish. It's like, yeah, you guys. So, um, so yeah, international, we've got plans for next year. Another um, 15 countries are on our radar. So, um, mm-hmm. Uh, we are very much focused on growth and um, generating more um, income and um, go, go, go. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. I'm totally buzzed by your story and um, just just all the energy in it. I, you're definitely going into my list of people I've spoken to that I need to write a Netflix script for and pitch it to <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> I love all the visual uh, stuff that you brought to life for us through the Yeah, I'm not sure I've got I'm not sure I've got time to do this. Um uh like you'll have to get which actor would you get to play it? I'm uh Well you see I would have said a young Hugh Grant. I would have said a very young back in the day, but obviously he's past it, so it would have to be somebody All right, I'll take it. I'll take it, um, But um, like I'm thinking uh, of four wins and a funeral. You know, Hugh Grant, <laughs> not the one door knocking at the minute for, for Labour, whoever that guy is. Hey, just um, get someone that's really good looking. Oh, I'm not too good looking there, because that that when they actually see me, <laughs> they'll be a little bit disappointed. I this think I look, I look like a bit like Captain Kirk from the yeah. Starship Enterprise, so I've got very little hair. Maybe, uh, maybe we just park the Netflix thing for a while, right? I'll just try okay. and save the right, Unless Daniel Craig says yes, and then that could be, that could be a maybe. Maybe Daniel Craig? No? Okay. We'll come back to it. <laughs> okay, listen, I have, like, honestly, I know that I could sit and talk to you all day and I have 50 million other questions, but we will literally have a two-hour podcast, which I won't be able to cut anything out of. So I'm going to wrap it up for today. And we always wrap um, with some advice. Um, you know, you have certainly hit all of the highs and lows, the roller coaster of the entrepreneur journey you have bet it all you have seen you have looked defeat in the mouth and then you have been you know you've you've managed to escape the jaws into into this incredible success that your business has become and done it the right way um so what advice do you have for other businesses who are looking to achieve sustainable growth but with a sustainable model to accompany it I think that the, the one overriding thing that I would say to other business owners that are looking at changing their model is is um, don't underestimate the um, the consumers out there. Um, don't paint them all in this um, bad light. Um, they're all really good people and they want to do the right thing. And I think that it's the job of CEOs in modern society to make the change and give the people the opportunity to be able to um, make that choice. There's no way that someone could buy a sustainable product if it's not on the shelves. So um, have some faith in humankind and um, give them the chance to make the right decision and they won't let you down. I think that that's, that's the overriding message that I'd like to pass on to other business owners like myself. Amazing. Um, 
whether you have listened to this podcast today um, and just enjoyed uh, Joe's uh, journey um, or you have taken inspiration from him and are going to make some small changes in your business uh, to help make some significant changes to our climate or whether you just want to throw your mobile phone uh, charger onto your grass and see it disappear in a couple of weeks um, you know all of it's here for you Um, and we certainly hope that all of Joe's advice and experience will help give you guys a better night's sleep thank you thanks so much Fast Forward is a weekly interview podcast brought to you by Tech Manchester, an incubator for digital and creative startups in the Northwest. I'm your host, Patricia Keating. The podcast is produced by Sarah Bellier, audio editing by Jamie Gownlock, and music by Parma Violets. If you have any questions, feel free to drop us a line at info at techmanchester.co.uk or follow us on any of our social channels. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn, all under Tech Manchester.